Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Here's Dosumu driving on McDaniels and puts it up in. That was a tough shot. Drummond picks up the bounce with a handoff to Dragic. Dragic against Rozier. They go back to Drummond with right-handed stuff on Plumlee. Jump pass right side, Kobe. No hesitation. Three. Bam! Kobe White from DeVar to Rosen. Mid-green, Shepard, no. Put back left-handed dunk. Derek Jones Jr. Boots with the spin on Hayward. Up top to Rosen. Steps in. Three ball. Good. Here's your all-star, DeMar DeRozan, back it in, deep in the lane. Finds Dosumu, dribble drive, runs into Plumlee and scores on a reverse. What a play by Ayo Dosumu, who challenged the big man, Mason Plumlee, and scores. He's 9 of 10 from the field. Charlotte's not even going to attempt a shot, and they shouldn't. And that's going to be the ball game. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 114 to 98. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Oh, my goodness. On 670 The Score. Let's dance. Let's party. Let's boogie. Let's go. Yes, indeed. Let's dance. Let's party. Let's boogie. That's uh, that's what that's what, let's boogie all the way to the trade deadline. We I'm are... so glad that Chuck got to dance. Oh. oh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. And you know that when you... It's like if you exercise and you don't get a chance to go running, you start to feel a little bit yeah. antsy, bottled up, yes. frustrated. Chuck being able to dance, just get it all out after that victory, had to feel a little cathartic. I, I just think that, you know, the problem with the Bulls is they lost to that team last time out. And that's very disappointing because that's a team you should beat. You should win at home against bad teams, period, end of story. But teams like that, you got to be able to beat on a regular basis if you're going to be a playoff team. Yes, you absolutely have to take care of business. We question them because they have earned our skepticism whether or not they'd be able to do what they're supposed to do. They did it last night, not because of maybe the big three, if you will, but right. because of the bottom tier. Uh, the bench guys came through in a big way. Io, uh, you had uh, the, the role players. How about... Drummond. Yeah. How about Andre Drummond? This is a guy falling out of favor, not been in the rotation, not pouted, comes up last night, 15 minutes, 15 points, 11 rebounds, and this is the best part, Bully. This takes us back to the first time that's happened. A guy has had a double-double in that little, little amount of time since 1978-79 season, Daryl Dawkins. Chocolate Thunder. Chocolate Thunder. Yeah. Daryl Dawkins, what a character. Did, didn't he go straight from high school to the NBA? I think he did. Yeah. And a lot of guys did in those, in those times. He was part of that great Sixer run where they had that great lineup with Dr. J, George McGinnis, World Be Free. Was he was he part of that? Was I think he, he was like, part of that. Was yes. he just like a high school kid? And, I think he was a role player. Huh. One of these guys that was a big force in the... I remember World Be Free like yesterday. I remember The Good Doctor. I can't say I remember... I, I Daryl Dawkins? As a part of that. I mean, I, I remember he was a big dude. You know, he was a Here's giant. why I remember it. My older brother 
like the way that Dawkins played. You know, he, remember, didn't he shatter a backboard? He shattered backboard. <laughs> and, yeah. And so he was almost like this, the, this uh, icon for uh, guys who were maybe more burly and were just physical players. And so I remember my brother liking Daryl Dawkins, maybe having even having a, a one of those big posters. Remember the Sports Illustrated yes, posters yes. used to buy? <laughs> having one on the wall, and it was Chocolate Thunder. And so I was always a Daryl Dawkins fan. So when I saw that note last night, Andre Drummond doing something that hasn't been done in the NBA since Daryl Dawkins, it brought a smile to my face. Yeah, that is wild. I, I now I got to spend some time looking up Daryl Dawkins and uh, wow, that that is how old is Daryl Dawkins at this point? I don't think he's. Uh, I, I don't think he, he is, is with us. He, oh, he, he did passed he away. He died in twenty fifteen. Ah, damn it! How, what happened? I don't know. Was it drugs related? I am not sure, but I think that. I think That's that he a may young age. his son may be was, uh, yeah. playing college basketball. He might be in the Big Ten. Is he at Penn State? He perhaps? passed away due to a heart attack. A heart attack. I'm sorry. Um, Great NBA career, though. Yeah, one of those characters in the NBA played for a long, long time. Hmm. So he was part of some of those great Sixers teams that played against Bill Walton in the finals. Yeah, Billy like seventy-five to seventy-five to eighty-two with the Sixers. Those and, were the days. And did he come out? Did he come out as a uh, a lot of high, high school? school. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Man. Orlando, Florida. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was a giant. And you know who was on that team? But I, I, I forgot the the biggest link locally. Doug Collins was in that backcourt. Wow. Doug Collins could remember what Daryl Dawkins was like and the force he was in the paint. How many backboards he might have shattered at a practice in Philly back in the day. Oh, we will go baby back. Yeah, no, I'm now I'm in. Now I'm stuck in this now, mode now here. You, now yeah. you're stuck in the '80s. That's pretty wild. Yeah. He, anyway, he was he was unbelievable. What a game for the Bulls. They he needed was a that. big personality too. A great, I'm sorry, great personality. Um, does it make you more likely now to trade Vooch, knowing that you got a center? <laughs> I'm going to go back to what Casey Johnson said to us uh, yesterday. Was it that you can't? And he was almost he wasn't lecturing, but this is this was a good reminder. Nothing that happens on Thursday night is going to change the mindset about the trade deadline. You can't yes. be that uh, back and forth. You can't right. be swayed by one performance. So whatever happened last night is irrelevant, irrelevant. Yes. to the trade talk and speculation. And you would hope it would be. But I think it's interesting that nobody seems to know what the Bulls are thinking. Oh, that is interesting, they, isn't they it? Are, they are pretty much keeping their own counsel, and there's not like a ton of rumors around the NBA. Usually – if a team is planning to do something, and, and Casey pointed out when they when they went out and got Vooch, it was the same situation. It was kind of an under the radar. It wasn't like there was all sorts of uh, like, oh boy. conjecture as to what they would be. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, exactly. So here's what might have affected the trade deadline last night in, in a way that you didn't anticipate or want. Alex Caruso left the game and – he has an injury that you don't know about his sprained right foot and what that might mean to his availability moving forward. So you can bet that teams interested in Alex Caruso are going to want some clarity about that injury before they're willing to make a deal. So in that way, maybe the trade deadline conversations were affected in other ways, unlikely, because I don't know that anybody had that kind of game where you're like, 
oh, yeah, he's got to go. Or, yeah, he's more valuable now. But injuries will dictate interest as much as anything. Yeah, no question about it. If you were planning on moving someone, you got an issue now if they're if they got a bad foot or whatever it might be, uh, turned an ankle. Um, not suggesting that those were the players they were going to move, but that would be an issue if indeed, um, you know, you had some some sort of uh, plan uh, in the back of your mind. It would definitely impact it if the, that player was hurt. It's just as simple as that. So. We have no idea what the Bulls are planning on doing. We do know that they are six days away from getting that done. That, that is, that's coming fast, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do, if they do it. I heard Dustin mention the, the Tankathon stuff. You know, they still convey their draft pick to the, um, to the Orlando Magic unless it's in the top four. It's not in the top four right now. It's uh, it's fairly low. So if you get into it's, the tankathon conversation, it really is an irrelevant conversation or a moot point in Chicago, right? So they would need to be that. they need to be in the lottery and they'd need to win the lottery or move ahead of where they're at in order to not convey that pick. I know you're a big tankathon guy. You know, I, you I know, know I love it. Man. It's twenty. It's twenty three point one percent now after the win last night. For a top four pick and 5.2% for the uh, number one overall pick. And I can, you know, it is definitely I, yes. Chicago I, to Orlando is the but I'm, way that pick. I goes. don't know that that's that relevant for Bulls fans right now, is it? Yeah, I don't think. Do you I think, think it is? I think come draft time. Well, I think it just, I think it just says like how bad they are. It says where they are. They're, they're right, right and stuck in the middle. They're in basketball That's what NBA I think it purgatory. Screams. It just, it just. Yes. If you needed, if you weren't quite sure where you were leaning on, like should the Bulls be buyers or sellers or in and out, like I think that just right. is another check mark on they should be sellers. It also they shows you or reminds better. you, unfortunately, about how, in retrospect, bad that Vucevic deal was. It wasn't very good. It wasn't was it? very good. Yeah. What did they give up? They gave up. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. and two firsts. And two firsts, one of which ended up who it was used already. Uh, They gave up something else. They gave up another player. And and at the time, I I think. I don't know if there's anyone good. I'll look that up. You did have to do something to create instant or regain some credibility, right? You wanted to make a move. You wanted to be bold, aggressive, and make a statement there. So I, I understood the logic behind it. It just hasn't aged well at all. Also, Otto Porter Jr. That's who in it that was. trade. Otto Porter Jr. was in that trade. And I don't think Otto Porter Jr., though, played a second for the Magic. Actually, I think it was Otto Porter Jr.'s contract. Otto Porter Jr. stayed wherever he was. They just shipped the contract via FedEx in an envelope. Now, both it's a 2021 and a 2023 first-round picks. Both of those are top four protected. So I guess what how it matters is if you want the Bulls to like absolutely tank the rest of the way out, if they can get into that top four somehow, then they wouldn't have to give it up. I don't yeah, I don't think that's realistic though. I just don't well, think it's it, it that bad. Well, I mean it gets into the it depends how much they sell though, right? I mean, if you were to sell DeRozan and if you took DeRozan and Vooch off this team, they they could get pretty bad pretty quick. I mean, yeah, when, when, I when your two hundred and fifty million dollar player scores eight points in the first quarter and then doesn't score again until the fourth quarter, yeah, but they didn't really need him. I mean, I, I, 
you know, DeMar had 15 points. He's their all-star. And uh, Zach Levine had, what, 10 points? 10, 10 points. That game so, never felt like it was out of but, hand, though. But it ne- I mean, they never. you never felt. Oh, like, it got to six. Yeah, it but was, they were leading the whole way. They never trailed. It was the Hornets, though. It wasn't another. I, I, I Maybe, okay. I, I'm not going to argue thought, with you over the third you, quarter of a Bulls no, no, game in actually, February. The, the, third, the third quarter is actually good. when the Bulls yeah. did well, or for, surprisingly. I, I'm not going to argue with you okay. over a – the back I felt nervous. I felt nervous at one point. I, I mean, this is the game, David. This was the game for myself, anyway, to digest last night. I mean, as I watched it, I had angst. <laughs> I, I, I had angst, and I thought, "Darn it! I should have done what we talked about, which is, you know, betting, you know, live betting whoever the Bulls are playing in the second half because it got within six. And I'm telling you, I think that number was pretty big. The Bull, the the Hornets were probably very plus a lot uh, live betting last night. So. All the conversations surrounding the Bulls is not necessarily about whether or not they were going to hold off the Hornets at home in February on a weeknight game. Although the drama, I'm sorry it brought you angst. Most of the conversation would be surrounding Zach Levine and whether or not they're going to get rid of him. And we heard from, I think, who a lot of people were waiting to hear from, Charles Barkley and the TNT crew addressing Zach at the deadline and what the Bulls should do. Chuck, do you keep Levine or you move him? I, I think you move, move him. Kobe White. Personally. For two. I mean, they're not going anywhere. You got to start over at some point. I mean, you can't play to be the eighth seed and the play in all that junk. <laughs> all that junk. <laughs> it really is junk, isn't it? So, the do you, seed do the you think that, and there were reports, I think, from ESPN.com, the suitors are lining up. Right. There are as many as four teams that would be interested in these kind of conversations. Do you think behind the scenes, very quietly, we haven't heard much. Do you think that teams are making offers for Zach? Boy, it'd be nice. I mean, it'd just be nice to have choices. I I would hope that they are listening to everyone. That's what you do. I like the way they kind of keep their own counsel. I like that there aren't all these wild rumors floating around with with the Bulls. We'll get into that. But I do hope that they're having conversations with literally every team in the league. And I hope that they are, I hope there's multiple suitors because the reality of life is the more people that express interest in your guys, the more likely you are to be able to, to kind of, well, they're offering this and we're looking for that, that kind of thing. You can get more. They need to get more and they need to, the Lonzo ball thing throws an incredible wrench into the works because he has no timeline. I mean, well, the Lonzo ball thing, you mean the Lonzo ball unavailability. Oh, not that he's even like thinking of coming back. The reality that he, the reality that he may not return until next season to the NBA. If at all, if at all, if at all. And and David, I think that the team that you envisioned, you're never going to see it. And I think that's the hard reality to accept if you are AK, if you are Mark Eversley, because it's difficult to come off that point once you establish a vision and everything you do surrounding that first er, is in that direction because you made the first big move and you, to this point, really are defined by that. Right. But are you going to allow yourself to be limited by that? And that's the thing that we don't know about Karnaschovas is that how how stubborn is he? How much does he dig in to be uh, to be the guy that has to be right? I don't know that because 
you're talking about a trade that we just talked about did not age well with Vooch and yes. the Magic. We're talking about a decision to give Zach Levine a max contract that really doesn't look right now, halfway into this first season under that deal, into that deal, that it was the wisest investment. Okay, I got to stop you on that one because that, I, I didn't think, I mean, I, I understood why people thought that was a bad contract moving forward. But I think he was hurt in the beginning of this year. Now the pushback that the players had with him and that the coaches had with him, that's a separate issue. Well, let me say I agree with you because I I don't want to be a hypocrite. I thought it was the right decision at the time to invest in that contract. And I think his, his struggles early on were related to not knowing how healthy his knee was. Right. And now you're seeing him at times look like the player that you think he should be, but at other times, it's, it just his frustrations reflect a team that doesn't quite fit together the way everybody envisioned. So now, what do you do? Right now, what do you right. do? Do you can you move that contract? Because look, at, in, in reputable outlets, this isn't just some fly by night operation. I think ESPN.com floated a trade scenario involving the Lakers yesterday, and then you find yourself doing the math and like, okay, with well, Russell Westbrook's contract comes to Chicago. And uh, they get their first-round pick then. How do you feel about that? And you're doing the math, and you're trying to figure out in your head, and it's like, okay, could this possibly happen? It's one of those things where we're going to be driving next week sometime you know, in the middle of the afternoon, and it's going to come across on Twitter, and somebody's going to report the Bulls have pulled off this deal. And like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe that happens, but I don't think it's going to be the obvious candidate. I think that if, if that does happen, you'll be like, wow. I think it'll surprise you who the who, where the player is going. I don't think he's going to the Lakers. I don't know. I I just I would I have, just think the obvious the obvious choices aren't always the ones that you're right, especially with a with a stealth executive, yeah, and a front and office is, that has kept things very very tight lipped and, and close. And this is different than the sleuth being your GM, right? I mean, this is a totally different deal. Then, then uh, Jerry kind of. This is a different cat, and this is more. There's more intrigue into this, and I'll say this, and I'm probably an idiot, and everyone will get mad at me for saying it. But there's this kind of Eastern European element to it. It's like you're not even sure what the who the secret agents are that are being sent to different places. You, there is this real kind of cloak and dagger. You, you kind of like envisioning a, and casting AK as a basketball spy. I do. do. I, I like him. I like the idea. Yeah. International that, man of intrigue. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. He's going it. all over the place. He's it. looking at everything. He's yeah. not just limiting himself. I have a very high opinion of AK. And I think of him as like this kind of, uh, you know, basketball genius type guy that is out and about and doing things and making moves behind the scenes. And I don't know why, because obviously there's a flawed team. I'm going to give him a pass on it because he never got the that Lonzo Ball piece. That was obviously the piece that intrigued him most. He liked the way the guy spaced the floor and ran a team, and you know that you, that has been a, a huge absence and, and a real problem with. This. You know, I agree with that. You, you know that I am supportive of that idea as well, but I also wonder that in doing so, are we both giving him a pass that? the previous regime would never have gotten. Never have gotten. Yes. And I think, and maybe not even just the previous regime. That's true. I think that sometimes when you have 
front offices that have been in place for a while and things like this would have happened. You just explained very well in a fair way. You evaluated, you criticized, whatever the case may be. Lonzo Ball's injury changed the plan forever. Yeah. But injuries are not often an excuse for those I decisions. I totally agree. And, and you know, the, we never saw the old Bulls play. We never saw the team that was envisioned actually get on the floor. And here we go again. It is the it is the damnedest curse I've ever seen that you keep putting together these teams that never have the pieces. I, I, I agree with that frustration because yeah. for the, the one of the most indelible marks of the Bulls over the last 20 years in the post-Jordan era was the injury to Derrick Rose. You never got to see what would happen with that regime being able to realize everything and see that plan right. come to fruition. Right. Likewise, lesser degree, but likewise, what you're saying and I'm agreeing with is that Lonzo Ball was part of plan A. Your point guard. $80 million investment. Yep. That's a huge investment into your point guard who is never going to be able to get a chance to realize that potential. He's not a big scorer. He's just a guy that runs the team. It's pretty interesting. He's a he's obviously a big defensive guard. It was funny. I think we last night of the broadcast, Stacy said something along the lines of, you know, if you get, uh, you know, or when you get Lonzo Ball back, now you're going to have two big defenders. He was including Io because he's developed into a pretty good. De- like all of a sudden, you'll have a very good defensive backcourt, and and you know, Caruso was on this team as well. It would be it would be really interesting to see those guys all play together. I don't know that we're ever going to. Love the optimism, but the reality is Io could be traded. Lonzo Ball may never be coming back. And if you're Alex Caruso, you're a defensive specialist on a team that's flirting with the eighth seed, you really don't need that guy on this team if you're not a contender. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of the NBA. And I know that you it, it looks good in theory, and it's, it, it's decent on paper, but it's never going to happen. It's it, the worst part about it is like all of the flaws that are are built into this roster, right? No rim protection, no three point shooters, all the things we see on a nightly basis. You bring you if if you hadn't had the the point guard go down, the floor is spaced differently. Maybe there's better three point shooting. He was one of your better three point shooters, and you know who knows who knows what this uh, team would have looked like. But I don't think we're ever going to see it. I think if you look at his career, he just misses a lot of time. Even when he's healthy, he can only play. It was the risk when they signed that him. That was the risk when they it signed him. It was the stated yeah. Uh, yeah. gamble. And it, it's bitten them pretty and hard. And it has backfired in yeah. a bad way. And I also want to say that we are big Billy Donovan fans here. We have kind of talked about that this week as he's received some criticism. One question I think is a fair one. Why, if you have a player like Andre Drummond, who is productive and yeah. a veteran and a and a guy that gives you some some heft in the paint, rebounding and otherwise, why is he out of the rotation? That's what I don't think was has been fully I think, explained. I think the reason is that he's very good when you're playing against a big man, but I don't. I think you. I think when you're not, you want to play through Vooch. And you want to space the floor differently. It's I too, think the, too cloggy. the fact that you have no um, spacing from the point guard position is the problem. So I don't think those two guys can play together on the floor at the same time. This doesn't seem like they can. Probably not. And then and then you're trying to play through Vooch to get more spacing, and he's used to 
playing that pick and roll game, so he's pretty good at distributing the ball. It's, it's just when you see 15 and 11 in I, 15 I minutes, you. you're like, where has this guy been? Yeah. He looks like Daryl Dawkins. Yeah. Daryl Dawkins. There, now we go back to Daryl. Chocolate Thunder. I thought that was my first thought when I heard it. I, supposedly Stevie Wonder gave him that nickname. Is that true? Did anyone ever hear that? I, I did not hear that one. I thought there was some story back from my childhood. He was a character. Again, I could be wrong about everything. I haven't looked at this stuff in 20-something years. So uh, I haven't thought about Daryl Dawkins. And he did tear down rims, man. I mean, He that is, was, that was super cool. a force yeah. in the paint. All right. three one, And in those days, you, you like that, right? And these days, I don't know, as, as we're talking about with Andre Drummond, I'm not sure. I don't know that he would that be a guy. modern NBA player. Yeah. But he was great in the 80s. <laughs> all right we've got the pick six we're gonna tear apart all the stories of the day we got a lot of fun questions today i'm looking forward to it and uh and we're gonna do that next it's mully and hall at chicago sports radio six seven of the score it's pick six with mully and hall where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767 or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. Did you like seeing DeMar DeRozan name to the All-Star game? What will aid the Bulls in trading him? Seriously, what did you make of Zach Lowe saying in his podcast that multiple NBA teams he's talked to have no idea what the Bulls are going to do now less than a week away from the NBA trade deadline? Yeah, you know, I, I find that fascinating. I mean, I find it really interesting that a lot of teams in the league have no idea what direction the Bulls are going. I, I'm very pleased DeMar DeRozan made the All-Star game because that's his sixth time. I would think he would have made it more. It felt like it was a gift to him to give him the All-Star. It's it's like a nod to his career, which is wonderful, but it may be a makeup for some previous ones. But he definitely belongs in that group. He's a really good player, and uh, he's had a spectacular career. So I'm very pleased that he got that gift. But it does feel like a gift. It, it doesn't feel like... Wow, DeMar, you know, he just shot his way into the All-Star game. The Bulls are struggling. They've been struggling all year long. So uh, I'm pleased because it gives me something to watch. You know, I I, um, I don't like watching a lot of um, of All-Star type competitions if there aren't local guys represented. So I like to have uh, somebody to cheer for and someone to kind of take my attention away from the, the uh, doldrums. <laughs> that uh, we apparently have these days with uh, Pro Bowl slash All-Star competitions. We'll get into that later. Um, but I love the fact that no one knows what the Bulls are doing. I hope they know. I hope that they've got, like, a very well-oiled strategic type of plan that they're going to uh, it, it suddenly uh, throw upon us and we're going to be sitting here jaw agape as they build a super championship team. <laughs> That's my hope. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see DeMar get that nod. I always feel like it's almost everything with the NBA All-Star game is a year behind. I mean, James Harden is having a really good year, and he's not part of it. But last year, he had a disappointing year. So is that maybe the justification? And, and couldn't we have some more guys with load management always being a thing in the NBA? I mean, how many minutes do you want? Like, I'm glad DeMar's going there, but how many minutes do we want to see DeMar DeRozan playing in that game, right? Like, I mean, should every? It's almost like they should have like twenty guys, like four 
four teams of five. Like, this is going to be the first quarter unit, and then you're done. Here's the second quarter unit, you're done. Here's your third quarter unit, you're done. Here's your fourth quarter unit, you're done. I, I think that would be an interesting way also of of seeing it. Like, four like different the, like four different mini games within a big game. Do, do you like guys just turning up and you're going to have a pick and we're going to play on this team or that team? I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you prefer to know I kind of like the ba- I kind of like the backyard yeah. okay. pick them. Deal. I, I do actually like that format, okay. and in this, you know, part of this question only goes along with what David mentioned. You know, the man of mystery, AK, the mysterious man, and nobody knows exactly what he's going to be doing. So I think that does fit. Yeah, you like that. I think the intrigue, you hope, isn't a sign of indecision. You like the fact that people are guessing, and they don't know how to read AK because they've not experienced much of him running a team. But I don't know if they know. I hope they do. They should by now. So the clock is ticking loudly, loudly at the Advocate Center. As for the All-Star selection, I'm half expecting at some point this morning that the NBA is going to issue a last two-minute report on the All-Star voting and DeMar's out. (laughs) And he's out. Now because, that would be really see, mean, David. Well, I just, they've got it wrong before. Did they get it wrong again? I don't think he deserves an all-star appearance based on this season. This is a reward for the last part of last season and the first part of this one. This is a career achievement award. James Harden belongs. Jalen Brunson got snubbed. There are see, other... like Jay, I think, you know, to my point, I think Jalen Brunson's going to be there next year. You know what well, I mean? It's but just, that doesn't make any sense, well, I Dustin. agree with you. This is the all-star game. It just seems like that's what's the problem. For this they're, they're season. They're a year behind. You know what, though? But, I, I mean, given the way that this guy has reacted to even, like, the trip to Paris, I I think he's in a real interesting uh, Well, guys, kind of I understand that. Stage. We're, gonna, we're looking at this from a very provincial point yes, of view. exactly. And we love DeMar DeRozan. I think it's great for him. It is a career achievement type of thing. But you know what? They're in Philadelphia probably saying this morning, boy, James Harden really has matured this year. And look at his numbers. It would have been great for him to go to Utah. They're right. But, but Jalen Brunson, but, same deal. But I think DeMar DeRozan will be there. He'll look around. He'll navel gaze. He'll concentrate. Know, but, it's just a beautiful story. But that's not story. the question. Okay. The question All is, right. did, did he deserve this? And I don't know that he did. Right. There have been other years that maybe he did and he got overlooked. He has had a career of being overlooked. But I don't know. This was. We're going to spend the first half of the season complaining about the Bulls' inconsistency and then say, oh, this is a great idea. Send him to the All-Star game. Hey, I got a quick question for Good. you, Big Dave. There's the voice of Jeff Joniak. He'll be here at 8 o'clock with you guys after seeing Sean Payton go to the Broncos for a first-round pick and then a swap of 2024 second-rounders for a third-rounder. Can you name any coach for whom you'd give up a first-round pick? Bill Belichick. End of story. Period. Paragraph. No, this is crazy to me. We spend the rest of the year salivating over the possibility of what draft pick your team is going to get. We value these draft picks like they are gold, uh, crypto, whatever the case may be. You, you place such a value on these draft picks, and then you're saying, well, let's get a coach in here, and we'll give up these draft picks for the right coach because we're gonna then we're going to ask him to coach a team that doesn't have as much talent as it should because we gave away all the draft picks to get them. I think Belichick is one of those guys that probably you could justify that. I I think that they gave up way too much for Sean Payton. I love Sean Payton. I pay Sean Payton 
as much as the Broncos are paying him. He's a rich man. That's not the case. There is no salary cap for a coach. But I do think there should be some sort of checks and balance here because what are you doing here? Look at your roster. You could use those picks. And you know who looks pretty smart this week, this year? Nick Sirianni. You know why he looks so smart? Look at his roster. Look at those draft picks. Look what they did to give him a roster that he basically is a guy that shows up, acts the part, pushes the right buttons, and I don't know if it's the roster or the coach, but I'm leaning toward the roster. I mean, if we're talking about the Bears specifically without mentioning their name, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer this for the Bears. They're so far away from, I think, the coach being the difference to get from point B to point A. So they're not there yet. I did find it interesting, though. Brandon Stokely with you guys yesterday talked about the fact of, like, they need a coach in Denver, and you're going to see how important the coach is in Denver. But at the same time, he supported his former teammate Jeff Saturday as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So I thought that was interesting. I would not I would not give up those kinds of draft assets for any coach. But I want to say, ask me next year. Like, ask me after the next year of development, hopefully, of Justin Fields. And if they're not there, like, oh, boy, could you imagine Justin Fields with Sean Payton, which we kind of dreamt about in a question yesterday, right? You know, what could have been potentially, right? And could you have hooked those two guys up and what would the progress be? I, I think this is, I think he is the perfect guy. You, here's, you can't get out from underneath the quarterback situation they have in Denver. So I think this is the perfect guy at the perfect time. It just doesn't make any sense for the Bears, but for the Broncos, maybe. You know, I, I think that trading for a coach has worked for the most part, right? There have been seven coaches traded Don Shula went on to win Super Bowls, right? Parcells had already won, did not win again when traded. Um, Mike Holmgren went to a Super Bowl. Having won one, he went to one with Seattle. Bill Belichick is the greatest advertisement for trading for a coach we've ever seen. And he was phenomenal. Problem is, Bill's 70 years old. I would not (laughs) trade for him right now. Uh, John Gruden was traded in one... um, Herm Edwards was traded for. That was not a good idea. And Bruce Arians, they had to pay a draft pick to get Bruce Arians, and he won a Super Bowl. So if you're going to win a Super Bowl, it's a, it's well worth the investment. Um, I think right now the best coaches in the NFL, as I said, Belichick's 70. I believe Andy Reid is 64. Yes. I, I don't know that I want to try to rebuild for three or four years with a guy in, in his mid-60s or a guy in his 70s. But I think that um, there are some coaches that intrigue me. I think that uh, Mike Tomlin is a great football coach. And you, you want to get good and you want to change your culture and you want to make a, a run at the playoffs, that's your guy. Maybe you win a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. I, I'd be all over trading a pick for a guy like that. I would have no problem trading a pick for, for Kyle Shanahan. I think that he's he's going to get you there. He's going to change your culture, et cetera. And I think those names would fit with this list of seven coaches. Maybe we get back to this because I agree with you in terms of the history of trading for coaches and the examples you cite. But I do wonder, given the way that you have seen the league evolve, have teams ever placed more value on draft picks? Is this the golden age of the draft pick? 
because because of the quarterback because of the quarterback yeah. and because of the way that Molly we just got done enduring a season and that's the right word yeah based around the idea that it was okay because of the draft pick so I don't know if we're in that stage where now we're going to go away and say okay you know what these aren't worth as much as we just said they were for three four months we're going to trade one of those for the right coach so I, I wonder about that moving forward we should get back to it yeah it's a good point great question there he is, Joe Fortenbaugh, 745. Get out the pencil and paper. How much time did you devote to the Pro Bowl skills showdown last night? Given the Bulls were playing, do you anticipate spending more time soaking in the Pro Bowl game on Sunday afternoon? Who is your favorite Manning brother, and will that influence your touch football pick? <laughs> <laughs> I did not spend a minute with the Pro Bowl uh, skills. Now, I did tape it. And I did glance at how, how it looked, and you I'm taped curious. It? I taped it. I, you know, dude, I'm going to go home. I've got a little bit of time before my wife comes home, before the, the family is, uh, is complete, and I am going to use it by watching Pro Bowl. I'm going to watch the dodgeball. I can't help it. And I guess, uh, I guess Derek uh, 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 Carr threw the ball very accurately. So that's fun. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I, I was watching the Bulls, and I didn't even – click over for fear that I would get too caught up in it. But um, I'm going to watch the Pro Bowl. I'm going to watch the touch football game. I mean, I'm interested that maybe someone says something on the broadcast that I, I like. I can't help it. I, 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 I've got this addiction that I got a, this itch I got to scratch. And uh, I would say that Peyton's probably my favorite Manning brother, but I will go with Eli to win I think Eli does pretty well. Uh, I think there'll be some helmet catch or something in a in a tag football game somehow. About 45 seconds. If I knew it would have been on, I might have planned more accordingly, and now I am disappointed. Molly, can I come over later and watch it on the DVR? <laughs> you are I did more not, than invited. I did not DVR it, and, and I think the dodgeball, the dodgeball part is something that I would find interesting. I always liked dodgeball. Um it's a Friday, Dustin. We could do some day drinking. Right. But I turned it on. I stumbled upon it as I was looking for things to watch, I think, during a Bulls timeout. As David pointed out, it was just a game in February, so why bother watching? But I saw them, like, fielding a punt. like, I, And they were, like, standing around in this, like, dank-looking... Yeah. I'm like, what? It, it almost looked like the Combine... Sort of like there was no identification of players. They were like in T-shirts and matching shorts. And some guy I didn't know was like catching a punt. And I'm like, what is this? Do you guys remember the wide world of sports, though? Yeah. When they used yeah. to do those challenges like. like Superstars. Yeah, that, Superstars. Like, yeah. That would be like, that would be so Obstacle cool. Obstacle course. I, Obstacle I, I course. Maybe somebody stuff. hurt that but, way. But, but it was fun. Yeah, if, but if they way. can play dodgeball, I, I'm well, not disagreeing with you. But if they can, I'm not saying flag I, I, football on a beach. Apparently, you remember what happened Saquon then. Barkley, like, was a was a force of God in the dodgeball game. So <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Dustin seems like the kind of kid that I might have targeted in the dodgeball game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I kind of loved the dodgeball, but I didn't watch uh, it. I was. I, I was at uh, NBC Sports Chicago last night. I was waiting for the show, Football Night in Chicago, and I watched it because it was on in the green room, and I did actually invest about 10, 15 minutes. Oh. Derek Carr was outstanding. Yeah. I like Derek Carr as well, and I loved what he had to say about not giving in on his contract because he wants to force the Raiders 
to pay him, and that's a different story. Right. So, David, what kind of skills, like, what was he doing? Like, for those that didn't see it. Like, I saw him throwing the ball around. Uh, like, I mean, was it, like, targets? Was it, like, yeah. into, a, into a, a bucket? I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, you, had a, you had a throw into different targeted It, it was just okay. it, it, aiming at things, and he was very good at it. Yeah. All right. I'm and just I, curious, like, what the skill was. I was more like, into the, the interviewing. Was. We'll and see it today. It, Let me it, stop and get some food. And it was more, it was more um, Eli is my favorite Manning, and I like everything that I heard from Eli because I think Eli – has this sort of dry sense of humor you appreciate. Peyton kind of tries to be funny and is, but I'm an Eli guy. It's only the question that everybody wants to hear. Did you like hearing from Jason and Travis Kelsey shooting down their brotherly storyline on the New Heights podcast? Did you like them shooting down the idea of the Kelsey Bowl? Said Jason, can we stop calling it that? There's a lot of guys involved with this. Mayor organizations involved. We're going to be asked about this question nonstop until the Super Bowl, and I'm already over it. So do you like the Kelsey brothers uh, flushing the idea of the Kelsey Bowl? Well, they're going to have to repeat themselves on media day at the Super Bowl in Arizona. So that's okay. And if they can, it's kind of like, oh, that's okay. You know, let's not talk about me. What else do we have to say about me? It's okay. I don't. I like both these guys. They're they're very likable because they come across as being very relatable. And they may not want the story or the attention, but they're going to get it regardless of what they say. And actually, the more they resist, the more people are going to probably want to address it. We might not be talking about it this morning had they not said, don't talk about us anymore. It's true. It, it's true. So I think the more they kind of distance themselves from the spotlight, the more the glare will find them. And I'm glad for their parents. It's got to be an unbelievably proud week for the Kelsey family. I think both guys are worth our attention, and I hope they get as much as they have earned. But part of their attention is is the podcast and everything else. Like the, the, I, I, They can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. They're both really good players, and I enjoy both of them a lot, but it, I think they should embrace it more than anything. Don't, don't flush it. Don't, don't try to give it the Heisman. I, I would be more embracing this than not. I get the idea. You're sick of answering the question, but that you guys mentioned media day, you know, unfortunately it's like media night. Now you talk about an event yeah. that they have absolutely ruined. Hijacked. I, yep. I mean, hijacked, you know, the NFL network has taken over and it's just, just a bad. It, it event. wasn't that great to begin with, to be no, honest. Well, I, I had some great of that. Like we went, we would go and then just wander around and try to catch any Chicago connected guy and get information from them. And it was like obscure. Hey, this guy was a backup, whatever. But it was so interesting. But it was fun, and everybody has a life story, and everybody. I think that's what I loved about it. Not the guys at the podium that you already had heard from. But, you know, Fair enough. Yeah, I remember those days. That, 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 that was the advantage around. when you that. find the nooks and crannies to yeah, explore. That's yeah, right. definitely. That's right. I mean, talk about story gathering and telling. There was, yes. there was a lot of that there. It's just not available available these days. But uh, listen, I, I, it's a uh, it's a cool podcast. I, I like both the brothers, and uh, I think they should embrace it. I don't think they should try to distance themselves from it. Yeah, I gotta I gotta tell you, it's uh it's really kind of uh, interesting to me. That uh, the t- the difference between the two guys. It's the first time brothers have been in the Super Bowl, but the one guy is, you know, it, how do we judge Jason Kelsey? Well, you know, he snaps the ball. There's no fumbles. Look at him on goal line. Oh, 
you know, Travis just caught another pass. Like, it's hard to judge which one's going to have the, the better game because the one guy is, and he's the one that's doing most of the talking about that he doesn't like the Kelsey ball because he's one of five. He's in the team within the team. He's a leader of that group. He's the low man when you're trying to get that extra yard. Yeah. I find it I find it fascinating the difference between an offensive lineman and even a tight end. You know, a wide receiver is obviously the personality is a lot bigger and they're like kind of look at me guys. He's Travis has a little of that too. Well, her. just remember, he's a former quarterback. That's right. Still thinks That's like right. one. There you go. But um but I think it's fascinating. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be in the in, in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure about Jason. I, I, if he is, and I'm not saying he won't be, then, you know, Olin Krutz needs to yeah, go five in Five-time All-Pro. Yeah. Jason Kelsey. Was, Olin was six, right? But he should keep talking and keep doing these things because that will help him get there. So don't... Don't, yeah, don't, I think don't, that, don't worry well, about your teammates. He's like 33, yeah, 34. He's, I mean, yeah. he's a grown-ass man. But he gets to a second level. I, he's a good player. Outstanding. I agree. He, he is a pulling center that gets to that, that second that level. That is a player that only Dustin could love. You're the only man in America that would would rather uh, Jason to Travis. And you talk about shirts in, jocks tight, socks tall. Oh, I yeah. mean, that guy's like all buttoned up that's and tucked Kelsey, in. That's the yeah. Kelsey yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, I like it. It's on the family kitchen wall. That's kind, of, that's kind of a sneaky question. You kind of you try to get something out of me. Micah Parsons of the Cowboys has been criticized on social media and by some talking heads for wishing the Eagles well in the Super Bowl and telling them to win a title for the division. Parsons called those people sick. How would you, a typical Bear fan, feel if a Bear star player were to wish the Packers good luck in the Super Bowl like Parsons did? <laughs> Uh, I I got no problem with Micah Parsons, you know, because that guy, he he uh, he walks the walk. Okay, so if he wants to talk the talk, he can do it all day. As far as I'm concerned, I think that guy he said a couple of things right that we we took uh, one of the comments he made as a direct insult to uh, to the quarterback. He said they needed to draft a quarterback. Um, you know what? They're going to draft a quarterback. They've said it, so it's true. Um, I got I got all the time in the world from Micah Parsons. Would I like hearing a Bears player congratulate the Packers and ch- say he's cheering for the Packers? Probably not. Um, I, I think what's fascinating is how bad that division was a year or two ago, and now you got Philadelphia in the uh, in the Super Bowl, and I guess by all accounts they had the easiest road there. Their strength of schedule is something like. 31st in the NFL, according to uh, Sagarin ratings. And I believe uh, the Chiefs were 16th. So when there is more than a 10 uh, uh, win or loss, the team is like 80% likely to win. So th- this favors the Chiefs very much so, believe it or not, the strength of schedule thing. So it's cool. I, I like Micah Parsons. Yeah, I mean, Micah Parsons is a really good player. He's a disruptor. But, no, I, I would not be a fan of a, a Bear player wishing the Packers good luck in the Super Bowl. A- absolutely, positively not. I would I would do everything I could to, to cheer for any other team in the NFL. You know, there's like a famous shirt out there. You know, Bear, my two favorite teams, the Bears and who was ever playing the Packers, right? The same thing, the Cubs and who's ever playing the Cardinals type of, type of deal. Um, That's the Southside Irish song. Will Micah watch the, the game? We Sox and whoever plays the Cubs. Will Micah watch? I, that's something that has, since the years I've gotten involved in this business, that has knocked my socks off. How, in football specifically, 
how many guys you talk to leading into the they don't watch these games? I wouldn't want to watch it. They beat you. No, no, no. But I mean, you don't watch the Super Bowl? No, I wouldn't want to You're watch it. You're an NFL it. player that doesn't watch the Super I, Bowl. I would probably go to a Super Bowl party, maybe make an appearance, but I wouldn't want to watch the game and sell and watch the team that eliminated us. Well, or, I'm not saying the one that eliminated. I'm talking like if you're the whatever. if you're the if whatever. you're a member of the the, the Houston David Texans. would work out during the game. Well, you could run Say and it. listen to it on Westwood One, so you don't get antsy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just can't believe they don't watch the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they need to watch Thursday night football and Monday night football, but you don't do watch, watch the that. biggest game. You spend your entire part of your job is watching tape. Part of your job is watching other teams play. I don't know that you want to probably watch another team play if you're on vacation. I don't know. I get it. I don't have any problem with what Micah Parsons said. I think uh, this is an intentional plant of a question because I knew that it would trigger Dustin to some degree. And I thought that would be fun to hear because (laughs) you do speak on behalf of probably the way a lot of fans look at it. But I think that Micah Parsons, in wishing Lane Johnson well and telling the Eagles to win it for the division, that's a surprise. Active sportsmanship. That is a guy being the consummate professional, showing respect. That's a guy that's broken his arse against that team and faced some tough players. Understands what it takes to get to that point. Understands how good they actually are and says, you know what? Go win it for the division. Kind of unspoken is that we'll we'll be there next year. We're going to be there next year. Good for Micah Parsons. And I don't know that I would go as far as he did in calling the people criticizing him as sick. But I would be fed up with the kind of criticism for just being a good guy. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. I thought this was the question that was trying to get me triggered. Oh, that too. What do you make of reports that Notre Dame OC Tommy Reese is heading and is headed to Alabama to perform the same role for the Crimson Tide? Is it a no-brainer that you take that job, or is it a difficult decision for Reese, who was a quarterback at Notre Dame? How would you advise him? The plane did arrive in South Bend. It was headed back to Tuscaloosa, and we saw him getting into a van and going to a meeting with Nick Saban. It's over. It's over. We don't know that for sure. If you're meeting with Nick Saban and you are there and you've considered it in your mind, you're going to leave South Bend and get on a flight, a private plane, go meet with Alabama, you're gone. Your good is gone. If I'm giving Tommy Reese advice professionally, you're 30 years old, you have a 30, you have a head coach at Marcus Freeman in his 30s. If you want to be the head coach at the University of Notre Dame, it's not going to happen in terms of making that next step from offensive coordinator for Notre Dame and the head coach. You got to go away. You got to go away from the the family. You've got to go to another job, another campus, another program. Ideal situation for Tommy Reese ideal opportunity for a 30 year old assistant coach good for him good for his family I don't know that he has had the greatest run at Notre Dame but he certainly has done enough to impress somebody the caliber of Nick Saban and if it's good enough for Nick Saban it's good enough for me congratulations Tommy Reese yeah I saw the photo of uh, Air Force Air Force Saban at the uh, South Bend Airport Nice, fancy ride. Remember yesterday I had offered to be an Uber driver for the Bulls, take them to O'Hare Midway. Um, I By 10 o'clock tonight, I'm pretty, I'm pretty free for the rest of the weekend. I think I can get down and back to Alabama. I'd be happy to take uh, Tommy down there as long as he doesn't talk. 
Um, good riddance. Okay, oh, you are, you get are, out. You are awful. get out. Let's see. Let, let's see what Tommy Reese's a... offense does when you got a bunch of guys that are going to play on Sundays in it. He, yeah. he didn't do. He did not do nearly enough for me uh, at Notre Dame. Not not nearly. Oh not nearly enough. Notre Dame I, can do. I'll Notre Dame can you do of better. This next January when he's wiping confetti out of his hair. Yeah. Listen. Let me tell you something. It, it, this is a no-brainer of all no-brainers. Tommy Reese. One question. Do you want to be a head coach, whether it's Notre Dame or anywhere else? You go, you work with Saban, you start winning some titles, and you're going to go anywhere you want. You're going to write your own ticket. People are going to be lined up to try to get a, a piece of the action. And you're going, to, you're going to watch football coaches and people. You're going to meet people. That One guy might be your defensive coordinator when you leave. They, they, that, Alabama is top shelf. Saban is the best college coach in the country. You work for him, you're going to learn a ton, and you are going to get offers all over the place. So if I'm Tommy Reese, it's unfortunately, he might want to stick around. He may love his job. He may love Notre Dame. But uh, it's the best thing for his career. And I got to tell you, you know, it, it, Dustin, you badmouth the guy. I know his dad. Bill Reese worked with the Bears. Bill Reese isn't a good guy. He's a great guy. He's a great man. I love Bill Reese. And I'm a big fan of Tommy as a result of knowing his dad. It's as simple as that Same. for me. Absolutely well put. Great I don't guy. think I'm bad-mouthing him. I don't think he's a very good – I don't think he was a very good quarterback at Notre Dame. I don't think he's a very good oh offensive coordinator. He's, That's he never liked him as a quarterback. And, 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 you know, listen, if Nick Saban's coming for you, you're pretty damn good. And, and I'm, sh- I, I'm shocked. I so for those people that don't like that Alabama, job. this is a good move because he oh. will ruin Alabama. No, he won't that, ruin that Alabama. Crazy, Wait and Dustin. see until what he his offense looks like when you actually have – Weapons yes. that are I'm going straight curious. to the NFL. I will yeah. say that. I am curious, yeah. and I agree. It's a no-brainer. If Nick Saban the, calls, you go. The moment he Get got out. on that plane, he got smarter. All right. We've got uh, we've got that extra point next. It's, I told you we were going to have a lot of fun today. I love this stuff. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Molly and Haw on 670 the score. What is the better day to honor the legacy of Michael Jordan today on 2-3-23 or two weeks from today when the Bulls legend turns, can you believe it, 60? Is it a trick question? Is every day the best day to acknowledge Jordan's legacy? (laughs) Absolutely a trick question. Let's face it, we are in Chicago. Every day is Michael Jordan Day. Is there another athlete? He has not played or represented a Chicago team in 25 years. It'll be the 25th anniversary in June, and of the that '98 team, and yet I don't know that there's been an athlete in that 25-year period celebrated on a more regular basis in the city than Michael Jordan. Even now, today, the most ideal of days, two, three, twenty-three. Yeah, today is a perfect day. His 60th birthday, we'll do it again, and then we'll do it again probably on some random Wednesday in March because something will remind us of the flu game, or something will remind us of the shrug, or something will remind us of. Boy, that oh, it'll be the all-star game because we'll have the opportunity to reminisce about the dunk uh, that he took off from the free throw line. Or maybe it was the top of the key. The legend will grow because it always does with Michael Jordan. It's the greatest thing because he was here and he, he, he had a, a decade unlike any other. And the dynasty endures. So, yeah, today is the ideal day, but there's never a bad day to celebrate Michael Jordan in Chicago. No, I don't think there's ever a bad day, but I think I love the numerology of it today. I think that's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, so, 
uh, listen, Michael Jordan's the best. He's fantastic. We are so lucky to um, have had him here in Chicago. So any, any day is a good day to cheers to Michael Jordan. Greatest player in Chicago sports history. One of the greatest players in the in the history of, of professional sports in North America, maybe the world. I mean, you you know, we go we talk about the Bulls going to Paris and there are fans that grew up on the legend of Jordan and it, it's a real thing. I would celebrate it uh, all the time. I mean, you know, we're talking about Tom Brady retiring. He's like Michael Jordan. He won all these games. I mean, you know, what Michael Jordan did as as a guy in the finals as the MVP in the finals, as the guy that made sure his team won in the biggest games of the of the year. No one, no one has been able to achieve what he has done uh, in terms of just being a guy that made it that often and won every time. It's just extraordinary. He could raise the level of his game whenever he wanted to. It, it, he's, he was an amazing talent. And uh, and I don't know that we'll ever see the likes. I think we celebrate Tom Brady, and nobody's going to take away anything from the seven Super Bowls. But it's it's a career defined and respect that's earned based on longevity and consistency, yes. right? Yes. So there was such a solid nature to everything that he did. The three hundred thirty three career starts, never being out of playoff contention. With Jordan, you had the same kind of thing. The durability, the consistency, but you had the spectacular moments, which yes. almost make it more true. grand when you in your memory because you remember the spectacular things you're seeing right on the screen today, right now. One of the top ten Michael Jordan moments. They're recounting this on two three twenty three. The other thing, Molly. Okay, to answer the question, maybe directly and better. The ideal day to celebrate Michael Jordan might be next Friday. Because we'll wake up and LeBron James will be the all-time leading scorer in the NBA in all likelihood after playing the Bucks on Thursday night in L.A. That's likely the game that he passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So maybe next Friday we should reserve that as a celebration in Chicago as the greatest player ever. Can Mike turn 60? Are we allowing that? Is that, uh, is that humanly possible? Two weeks from today is pretty extraordinary. Two weeks from today is his birthday? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. His 60th birthday. This is his month then. Let's this just give it. him the, the month of Jordan. Let's give, yeah, he deserves this month every year, for God's yeah. sake. All right, yeah. I like it. Great Mike's born in February. 312-644-6767. Stop yourself. It's, uh, it's Molly and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. It's everything, and I just hope anybody out there, whatever field you work in, never listen to the outside noise of people doubting you, counting you out, everything, you know. As long as you're true to yourself, you believe in yourself, you keep putting in the work um, with a genuine heart and genuine passion, you'll, you'll be rewarded. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. It's always good to hear from DeMar DeRozan. I love the way that he is approaching his career these days. It seems like every honor, every acknowledgement means more to him. Every trip he takes, every, sure. he's concentrating on – can you believe I've made it here? Can you believe this is going to happen? Takes nothing just, for granted. It's great. The path he has taken to the NBA stardom is appreciated because he doesn't he doesn't believe like he's entitled to anything. He's worked for everything. And so you like guys like that. Here's a question. 
whether or not he's deserving or not, that's uh, debatable. It's one of the fun things about all-star teams, and uh, you, you can look at who got snubbed and who might not belong there. This is probably as a reward for the second half of last season as much as it is the first half of this one. But the All-Star game is February 19th. Yeah. Will DeMar DeRozan be representing the Bulls on February 19th, or will he be in this weird predicament where he was named to the team as a member of the Bulls, but he was traded before the deadline to fill in the blank? Wow, that's a good. That's a really fun question to ask, because it's kind, it's, it's it's like it's conceivable. It's like, it's like Roquan, only you're much closer to the Pro Bowl, right? I mean, it, it, if you trade him now, you're trading an All Star player, and uh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, at we've all. seen that in baseball where teams yeah. will get rid of somebody and they'll name, make the All Star team, and I think we have even had an example like that in Chicago in recent memory. But I do wonder. Because of the uncertainty and really what we talked about in the, in the first hour, the intrigue and secrecy surrounding the Bulls' intentions. We don't know how close they are to dealing DeMar DeRozan. They may mm-hmm. not even consider it, but you would think that if you're looking to change the makeup of your team, a team that is underachieving at this point in time, part of the conversations have to revolve around, well, what could we get for DeMar DeRozan at this stage of his career? Hey, look, he's an all-star. He could get us something in return, and he could change the mix, the mix of this group that doesn't fit together this year quite as well as they did last season. So, yes, he would definitely be a guy among the top possibilities of being traded. He's your best player. You know, if you're, if he's also got some age on him. So he is your I, I best player. He's 33. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're looking at it that way, um, then, then, yeah, that would be a really interesting thing to have happen. I think that his his time in Chicago has helped him a ton. I think that the um, the way that everybody appreciated how great he was last year, I think it's changed the way people look at his career. I think that he is now a no-brain Hall of Famer, and I don't know that he was that when he arrived in Chicago, but I think that he's justified everything that he's done in his career, and he's made himself uh, into a better um, a more marketable star than he was when he was in some of the, you know, San Antonio's had great success, but that's a hinderland city. That is not well, one that is front and center. Uh, ditto Toronto. You're in a different country. I mean, he still was great there, but I don't think people appreciated him as much, and I, myself included. I always knew he was a good player. I agree with until that. Until he got to Chicago. Toronto and San Antonio, very different than starring in Chicago on this stage. And why is the stage so big? Well, on two three twenty three, we don't have to tell you why. It's a big reason of uh, and a big byproduct of the Jordan era. The fact that what it, when you succeed for the Chicago Bulls, everything's a little louder, everything's a little brighter, and so Demar Derozan excelling during his short Bulls tenure. Yeah, I do think that you're right. It changes the way that we will view his career, the legacy is enhanced by his experience and tenure with the Bulls. He deserves, because he'll have the numbers, to go into the Hall of Fame. I don't know how quickly that'll happen. You know, the criteria for different halls is very different, and mm. you know, we can debate that. But in the, in the now, in the context of what's going to happen over the next week, I do find it fascinating because he is their best player this season. Is he their most tradable player, though, because of his age? Probably not. 
So you have the age that probably gets in, in the way of every conversation about trading for DeMar DeRozan, and you've got the size of the contract that gets in the way of everything revolving trade conversations around Zach Levine. Listen. And, and, and Vooch is a guy, because of his contract status, he's a free agent at the end of this season, that to me would scream urgency yes. from the Bulls' perspective to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I think he would be the number one guy if there's a market for him out there. Um, look, they've got a lot of one-way players. You know, we got a, a, a texter complaining about DeMar not, doesn't play announce the defense. They've got one-way players on this team, and, and they're loaded with them. The whole roster is loaded with them. And DeMar is a mid-range scorer. That's what he does best, and that's who he is. Uh, obviously, I saw him hit a three last night. He can do that, but that's not his game. His you, game is he's a mid-range scorer, and, you know, I know – uh, uh, Bernsey and his son do the podcast, and they complain a lot about the time he spends on the ground. And if he doesn't score, he's looking for the, to get the foul called. And I get it; I understand the flaws in his game. But he's been a hell of a he's been a hell of an addition. He's justified his career in a lot of ways. He's in the top forty in NBA scoring. I mean, give me a break. He's legitimized this Arturis Karnaschovas tenure so I far. Agree. Because when you got him you were different and he every nba player is going to have parts of his game that are easy to identify and complain about but demar derozan is is special in the way that he has he's a throwback and just in the way that he appreciates everything that's happening to him and he's reflective at this stage of his career it takes you back to a time where that's the way he learned the game yeah he is the king of the mid-range game but that's okay. You need guys like that. You surround him. What the Bulls have been unable to do is surround him with, with, with the kind of uh, roster that makes this a winning, you know, experiment or the, a winning uh, uh, roster and talent because they haven't really they don't have a, a shooter that stretches the floor. DeMar, it's not because of Demar Derozan, I don't think. I listen. I I like a lot of the guys on this team. I know that sounds like crazy, so what about that? I'm just saying it's a good collection of people. They're good players, but they're also decent people. I, I don't think Zach Levine's a bad guy in any stretch. I think he's a good guy, and and I think they got a lot of guys like that. I, the question has to be, are you going to win a championship with this group as it's currently constituted? And the answer is no. And so I think, therefore, anything's on the table. Whatever Whatever you name – I'm not going to argue with it. I don't know that it's like a blow it all up completely, but I think they need a lot. There's I no think, trade that they could make in the next week that you're going to look at and say automatically, boy, I don't understand that. Yeah, you wouldn't think so because I think we've reached a conclusion that this is not a playoff team, that they are a play-in team, and is that good enough? And does that matter? I mean, do, let's say you play your way in. Do you get anywhere? Do you do – you, can you then pull off uh, some big upset? It's just a- what you just said will prevent them from taking the aggressive approach at the deadline in terms of adding, right? You wouldn't go out and trade a future draft picks because that are dwindling that in, in supply right. that you don't have, and you've already kind of sacrificed the future there. I don't think that you would be motivated to go out and add to this group because of the limitations of the roster. So, what's the other option? Well, from a business sense. You've got to make sure that you don't let Nikola Vucevic walk without getting anything in return. Right. That's and that's it. a real possibility. Yeah. You're not going anywhere with him. 
So you better make sure you get something before he goes. It's a great point. Because you're not going to re- yeah. you're not going to resign him. No, you can't resign him because it hasn't worked. Yeah. So so yeah, you got to move him. So I sure. think he's probably the most likely to go. The the Rosen of the three might be the most unlikely to go, only because of what we hear from reports about the interest in Zach Levine. Right. In spite of that massive contract. And maybe by now, six months later, the Bulls look at that as an albatross. We don't know because they're not saying. Yeah. And and I mean, look, they, they gotta we we don't have a timeline. I think that's the important thing to remember when it comes to this Bulls team because if you had a timeline on uh, Lonzo Ball, then you would have a timeline on when you think you can see them play as a complete team. There's that doesn't even exist. There's, it's everything's too vague so, about his future and yes. thus the Bulls' future. Yes, so you have to keep that in mind when you start to rebuild your team here. My favorite nugget about last night in the victory over the Hornets was that Io, who had 22, 22 points for Io Desumu. That was a great effort for him. But I love the nugget about him texting his teammates in a group chat earlier in the day and saying, okay, we got to go now, basically to that ex- degree. Something to that extent was like, all right, we can't have happen tonight what has happened before. We've got to be fixed. We've got to be locked in. And for a player that young yes. to take on that kind of role with this group. In a professional says a basketball lot. team. So it, that's a guy you like to have. Yeah. Even though he has been rumored in, in trade conversations as well. That's a guy you like. He's a winning player. And you like to keep those guys in the organization. Um, he and Kobe combined for 45 points. How about that? The two of them combined for that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. 312-644-6767 is the telephone number. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score.